0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that. Opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Vinnie Politan, and on this week's Court TV podcast, we have an audio edition of our original series, Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall. This episode examines the 1994 murder of Vicki Beckham, who was found dead in her car, left in a ditch on a deserted stretch of road in South Carolina. Investigators would soon uncover that Vicky, the daughter of a state senator, and her husband, the son of a bishop, were in the middle of a divorce. Two powerful families were swept into the drama that played out inside a South Carolina courtroom. This episode is titled, The Bishop's Son. This is the Court TV Podcast.
1: These were two very prominent families that kind of joined together when Stephen Beckham married Vicki Lander.
2: And I'm not sure that anybody in Newberry wouldn't have known these people. She was in the car dead. It didn't look like an automobile
3: accident. It looked like a homicide.
2: There was no way that the accident itself could have caused it based on the minimal amount of impact. I was thinking about how
4: I was going to do this, you know? There's a murder. There's sex violence and rock and roll.
1: There was a point where the cops said that this was an almost perfect crime, because they had nothing to go on.
5: The town of Newberry, South Carolina is reminiscent of the fictional locations found in William Faulkner's stories. With a mix of Gothic, Victorian, and antebellum styles of architecture, it is unmistakably Southern, seemingly locked in a bygone era. It was in this town that two of the state's most prominent families lived bound together by matrimony but on june 12 1994 a horrific crime would shock newberry to its core and pit these two families against each other
4: i would say newberry is your typical southern town it is rural south carolina
6: it's got a little bit more urban as time has gone on but this, some of the sp- southern towns don't have the industry uh, that other southern towns do. And industry, of course, brings along prosperity and jobs.
2: Uh, so I think Newbury's pretty much stayed the same. Newberry's some of the finest people in the state of South Carolina. They are just salt-of-the-earth people. There's no pretense in
6: you know, Newberry County. And there's a mixture of Old South and New South.
1: So in Newbury, South Carolina, there were these two very prominent families that kind of joined together when Stephen Beckham married Vicky Lander.
3: Mr. Beckham was the bishop, father of Stephen Beckham. Um, he had a, quite a congregation. Mr. Lander, Vicky's daddy, had been elected the state senator and had also been the comptroller general of South Carolina. So he was very well known.
2: I'm not sure that anybody in Newberry wouldn't have known these people. Uh, fantastic people on both sides. Uh, Senator James Lander on the one side, Vicki, his daughter.
1: So what we were seeing was two prominent families joined together. Stephen Beckham's father was an Episcopal bishop. And he
6: uh, was very popular. Stephen Really did not get into a lot of trouble at all, yeah you know, he went to school, uh, he raised the family, married uh, the you know the town
2: sweetheart. What I knew about him was that he had some sort of cellular business that had made him some sort of money oh, Vicky uh she had a job in a local uh, industry there in uh, Newberry. Vicky, wonderful person. Um, she was, of course, the mother of three. She was a hard worker.
1: Outside the home, she's volunteering at church. You know, she's she she'll go to rummage sales and and set things up. She'll have bake sales. She'll she'll do all these things that is a productive member of the community. You're looking at. at what looks like a storybook type of thing, like a happily ever after situation happening. On June twelfth, nineteen ninety four, Vicky picked up the kids at school and dropped them off, and then Vicky drove off, and that was the last time that anybody really saw Vicky.
2: Vicky Lander was found the next morning. Well, some
3: folks had seen Vicky's vehicle in a ditch, on a little mountain road, and reported it to law enforcement. Well, she was in the car, dead.
2: What initially happened uh, was when the body was found, uh, Vicky's body, on the side of the road, she was slumped over in the driver's seat of the vehicle. Clearly, this is a very small ditch, by the way, and they, they knew fairly quickly that it was from a, a cervical fracture and, and just caused her death. There was no way that the accident itself could have caused it based on the minimal amount of impact. And there weren't really any clues as to who had done this and how.
1: You know, when you're in a small town, everybody feels like these horrible crimes happen, but they don't happen in your town. Everybody either knows the victim or they know somebody who knew the victim. So it feels very personal to everybody in the
4: town. The people in town were shocked. They were bum-fuzzled. It did not seem real.
1: So they really had to figure out, how is he connected?
4: He folded, he rolled, he he knocked him out.
5: Vicki Beckham had what seemed to be a storybook life, the daughter of a prominent politician who shared three beautiful children with her high school sweetheart, the son of the Episcopal Bishop. When she was murdered, the people of Newberry were shocked beyond belief. But soon, that shock gave way to suspicion about who could have possibly wanted her dead and why.
1: The husband is always gonna be a suspect when a woman is, is killed. And the husband, everybody knows him. They know his father, they know his family, they know his story.
4: I think he was in the forefront of the law enforcement's collective mind, because it's it's always the spouse. That's the first one you go looking at, because they usually have the motive and the opportunity. But they couldn't get anything on him.
1: He was brought in for questioning because they needed to know, where were you, what's your alibi? And you know, that, that was a struggle for the cops because he had an alibi. Steven had been with the kids and he'd been with the kids continually. So it didn't look like he was the one who'd done this to her. So then they had to look
4: into other people. I wrote a quasi editorial saying, hold now, just hold on. He has not been found guilty. They are like finding the evidence you need to save your accusations and your, like, anger until they got they have more.
1: There was a point where the cops said that this was an almost perfect crime, because they had nothing to go on. So there's not a lot that they could do until they could figure out who,
6: who did this. As I recall, the investigation went on
3: pretty much a year. Well, Newberry County Sheriff's Department and then slid which is the state law enforcement division, were very involved.
1: There was unimaginable pressure on the police to solve this. First of all, this isn't a place where murders happen all the time. Second of all, everybody knew this woman who'd been killed. And she was this wonderful lady who everybody loved. And she's from an influential family. Her father is a state senator. So the spotlight was turned on the police and they had nothing to go on. So they had to go to plan B, C, D, E, which included things like hypnosis.
2: The day before the discovery, various people had driven up that road on Little Mountain. And eventually these people were able to describe the vehicle involved, which I believe was a Grand Prix, a very old, unusual vehicle. They were put under hypnosis and they were able to identify Two or three of the numbers or letters on the license plate. And now these Grand Prix, there was only 20 or 30 in the state of South Carolina registered. And they were able to locate the Grand Prix in Myrtle Beach. The Grand Prix was registered to the owner of Smugglers Strip Bar, who said, That is my car, but I had given it to a Bouncer at Smugglers, Richard Anderson, over two, three weeks to use. Sled went to Richard Anderson's home and confronted him Richard apparently said to the sled officers give me a second i'll be right back he closed the door and he ran out the
7: back door
1: cops realized okay this is this is our guy but why would somebody just randomly come from Myrtle Beach from a strip club and kill somebody this Housewife, who's living, you know, in the low country somewhere, and, and for what? What's the motive here? So they really had to figure out how is he connected.
2: He then was apprehended shortly thereafter and did go back to Sled headquarters in Colombia and confessed fully.
4: Yes, he did. He folded. He rolled. He he knocked him out. He he just let it all hang out.
1: Mr. Anderson was not one of these hardened criminals who really knew what he was doing. He was not a criminal mastermind. So the minute the cops started confronting him with certain things, he was willing to tell everything.
6: Somehow or another, he and Stephen uh, linked up, established some sort of relationship. Stephen and Anderson started talking about uh, doing something with Vicky, And Anderson went up to Newberry, and that's where uh, he killed her.
1: Everything looked perfect from the outside, but when you started really peeling back the layers and seeing what was going on and seeing this was a marriage in trouble, they had separated and this was a marriage that was headed for divorce probably sooner rather than later.
6: They were talking about uh, who was gonna get the kids, because the custodial parent. So I think at that
2: point, things got a little serious. So what we understand is that uh, Vicki uh, Lander uh, dropped her children off at um, the bishop's home. At some point, we believe that Stephen Beckham decided
4: that he was going to talk with Vicky about the custody situation. And he jumped in the car with Vicky. Why she led him in that car, I cannot tell you. I reckon she was trying to be conciliatory. And he got a kill. He started whacking her in the back of the head with a gun. Before he delivered her up to Richard George
2: Anderson, he then drove Vicky's unconscious body to the location where Richard Anderson uh, was waiting, which was in a forest across the street from uh, the bishop's home. At that point, she still was not dead, but Richard Anderson eventually uh, struck her in the back of the neck with bolt cutters, breaking her neck. Then, he waited until it was n- night. Then he drove her to the place called Little Mountain. And in this one location, it's a very steep drop-off off the side of this road. And the plan was that he would push Vicki's dead body in her car off the side of this mountain, which would have gone down hundreds of yards into
4: a forest and probably not be found for months. And it would have better look like an accident rather than boat cutters to the throat. He borrowed a car to come here to do the transaction. And several locals saw that car, and he was scared that he was going to get knocked out. At that point,
2: Richard Anderson just freaked, so to
4: speak. That's how the car ended up on the wrong side of the road. And they found her instead of the other side, which contained a large gorge. And at that point, Richard Anderson got in his car and left.
2: And the, and the car of Vicki Lander was in the ditch on the side of the road. And they realized there was no way that this death was the result of a car accident. His story, combined with all the connections that Stephen Beckham had to Myrtle Beach, and the fact that we had phone records that showed he'd actually had direct contact with Richard Anderson, plus uh, ATM records where he was at uh, smugglers, made it very clear there was, it was unmistakable that those two had a connection.
4: And I think he figured that the best way to get her to shut up is to shut her up permanently and get her out of his life forever.
5: Thanks to the dogged efforts of law enforcement and their utilization of unconventional investigative techniques like hypnosis, they were able to locate and arrest Richard George Anderson for the murder of Vicki Beckham. Sensing that his options were limited, Anderson immediately flipped, laying out the entire sordid tale of how and why Stephen Beckham hired him to kill his wife.
2: This is such a bizarre case with so many twists and turns. I would tell you, I probably think about this case every single day, if not more. There was just too many connections between Stephen Beckham and Richard Anderson for Richard Anderson's story not to be true. And on top of that, of course, he's, he's pled guilty to something that, that only he confessed to. And that's why the story made so much sense all along.
1: In Newberry, Stephen is this upstanding dad. But you drive to Myrtle Beach and you'll see Steven at the strip clubs. You'll see him at these seedy places. He's the type of guy who lives one life at home, but the minute he goes away, he just gives in to any desires that he's got.
2: At the time that the murders happened, the evidence showed that he basically had a double life. He seemed to be a caring husband and father while in Newberry, but he was in Myrtle Beach Constantly, not just occasionally, but constantly. He would be at strip clubs, uh, play video poker,
4: and was using drugs at the time. He would go and play out at night because he would stay with the kids, and somehow he gravitated towards Smugglers, which is a strip club, one of the strip clubs in. Myrtle Beach.
6: There's a place down there called the Dollhouse. They probably get 750, 800 people a night, but they're they're people who are golfers, they're businessmen. This was not a place like that. Uh, You know, this was not the type of place you would expect Stephen Beckham to be in.
1: It was a seedy place, even as strip clubs go. And it was right there in, in Myrtle Beach. And it was far enough away that he wouldn't run into people who he knew from back home in
4: Newbury. I would imagine it played a great deal in the the dissolution of their marriage. She
3: did find out. She found out about his drug use and abuse, uh, found out about his gambling. And they were going through a divorce when when this homicide happened.
4: There were tales of gambling, cocaine, of selling, buying, snorting, uh, running with a pack that was there with the the owners, of the bartenders, the bouncers, of course.
6: Well, Richard Anderson was a bouncer, as I recall, at the smuggler's bar.
2: What we believed was going to happen was that Vicki Lander was going to say all these things to the court and out him, so to speak, in regards to his drug use, his double life. And it was going to cause a lot of problems for him in Newberry itself. And that was what we believed to be the motive of the case of the murder.
1: And if that got out there, it would be embarrassing. It's not a good look for the son of an Episcopal bishop to be involved in all these seedy things.
4: He wanted the kids. He wanted her to shut up and go away. And I think he figured that the best way to get her to shut up and go away is to shut her up permanently and get her out of his life forever.
2: What happened was the day after the warrant was issued, we learned later on that he had driven all the way down to Florida, checked himself into a hotel with his two oldest children, stayed there for an hour and 30 minutes, checked out, and then drove up to Kentucky.
1: He basically goes on this tour of the Southeast. He drives through Georgia, he goes down to Florida, he goes up through the Carolinas, he ends up in Kentucky.
4: Here you had Steven denying everything and pretending everything was OK, and then taking off for parts unknown. And some say was fixing to take the kids out of the country because he was fixing to get arrested for Vicky's murder.
2: Eventually, he was found in a parking lot under some sort of apparent overdose.
1: To this day, we don't know if it was an accidental overdose or whether it was an intentional one. We don't know. But what we know is he needed medical attention, and that's when he was found.
4: He OD'd on cocaine. And that he was trying to get out of the fix that he had put himself in. But he did not take into account his... Episcopal friends being so concerned about him when he was unresponsive, they called the ambulance busted. You cannot get an EMS in a case like this without some variety of law enforcement showing up. And that's when the brick wall crumbled.
6: They took him to the hospital and Bishop Beckham called me and said, my son is is a suspect in uh, his wife's killing. And I ran over to the Lexington County Hospital.
4: Not only was he a suspect, he was probably the main suspect because he had run. You don't run unless you feel some kind of guilt going on. He brought me an old army rifle,
8: a picture of his wife, and an address. He wanted me to kill his wife.
5: After a year-long investigation and a multi-state manhunt, Stephen Beckham was finally brought to justice. The small town of Newberry, South Carolina, had never seen a case like this in which two of the state's most prominent families were on opposite sides of the law. A jury will now have to make sense of a convoluted murder plot and Beckham's double life in Myrtle Beach.
9: Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, on behalf of the people of the city of Newberry, and Newberry County, I extend to you our welcome.
4: Oh, you got two like semi-public families. There's a murder. There's sex, violence, and rock and roll. I saw people in there I knew every single day. There wasn't a empty seat in the courtroom ever.
9: Victoria Lander Beckham, the victim in this case, was brutally, cold-bloodedly, and viciously murdered on June 12th of 1994 by Richard Anderson and defendant Beckham.
2: Well, by the time we got the case at the solicitor's office, um, law enforcement had done such a good job that we really, we had it all set up.
9: And Richard Anderson pled guilty in this courtroom to murder. And Richard Anderson will testify in this courtroom before you to what he and defendant Beckham did.
2: These are very high powered, so to speak, uh, defense attorneys.
7: On the date, day of her death, when Vicki Beckham's car was found with her body in it at nine o'clock at night, within an hour or two. They were at Stephen Beckham's house, and they were accusing him of the crime then. No forensics, no fingerprints, no statements, no identification. And that's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, with this case. And as you listen to the case, I think it's gonna become apparent that the police came to a conclusion. Why, I don't know. As the solicitors told you, the victim, Vicky. Lander Beckham is the daughter of this county state senator. Perhaps law enforcement felt that they needed to get aggressive immediately and start shaking some trees. The
6: thing that we did, uh, first we moved for a change of venue uh, and they granted a change of venue and they brought in to Newberry a jury from Walhalla. They just bring the jury in and they stayed in Newberry for the couple of weeks that we were in trial.
7: I do know this that throughout this process, and you will see, the entire focus of the one year long investigation in this case was to find some evidence to link Stephen Beckham to this crime.
1: They couldn't say, oh, this marriage is wonderful. They couldn't say this is a choir boy because no, he's not a choir boy. If you take Stephen Beckham out of the story and out of the case, how do you tie the bouncer at the strip club that he goes to, to Stephen Beckham's wife? You can't, he has to be involved for this to make any sort of linear sense
9: do you recall having a conversation with defendant beckham during late march early april of 1994. yes sir and what was that conversation about something of the fact he was referring to about um slick rick did you know slick rick yes sir to through to the establishment why did he mention Slick Rick's name to you? What what, what was the conversation about? He had um, asked me if I had seen him, and I saw him um, about two days prior, and I notified him of that. And um, he asked me the next time I see him for for him for Slick Rick to get in touch with Steve Beckham. So, Defendant Beckham asked you to tell Slick Rick to get in touch with him. Yes, sir.
3: I think that he was trying to get other people besides. Anderson to kill his wife
9: When you were living and working down there did you have a nickname Slip Rick During that period of time would you ever go to Smuggler's Bar Yes sir Do you recall meeting defendant Beckham during April of 94 Yes sir What conversation if any did you have with defendant Beckham when he came by where you lived in the Mobile Home Park
8: It was to clear the money that I owed him plus make some more money. He wanted me to kill his wife.
9: Did he bring anything with him?
8: Yes, sir. He brought me an old army rifle, a picture of his wife, and an address.
9: Did he give you any instructions about what to do with the gun and what to do with the address?
8: We talked a little bit about it. and About what I remember, there was a long driveway with lots of woods. and He would not be in town this weekend. <laughs> she would be alone. It would be a good opportunity this weekend to do what? To kill his wife.
9: Tell the jury kind of what you said, and what he did, and how this conversation went.
8: I explained that I just got out of the penitentiary on accessory murder charge, and I was in no hurry to go back.
1: Yes, somebody who's called Slick Rick probably has some credibility issues, you know, on on trial. But there were enough of them and their story made sense.
7: No one has offered you uh, or suggested to you anything you ought to say.
8: No, I'm here because I feel bad.
7: Well, if you feel bad, then why is it in March of 1994, April of 1994, when somebody's handing you a rifle, a picture of their wife and an address and asking them to go sniper, that you didn't feel bad?
8: Well, that's why I'm here now. That's why I feel bad, because I should have done something then and I didn't.
1: So you're really seeing the two sides of Steven. You're seeing the, the upstanding side, the types that you bring home to mother, and then you're seeing the other side, which is sleazy and dirty. And you put those together and you start realizing that all isn't what it seemed. Uh, the people there in Newberry, they didn't know him at all.
10: I was expecting a body, not somebody who was still partially alive.
5: The jury has now learned that Stephen Beckham was a regular at the seedy strip club known as Smuggler's Lounge in Myrtle Beach. It was there that he tried to recruit one of its patrons, a man by the name of Slick Rick Mitchell, to kill his wife, Vicky. It was after Mitchell declined the offer that Beckham set his sights on the club's bouncer, Richard George Anderson. Beckham offered Anderson $5,000 to kill the mother of his children, thereby setting Vicky's demise in motion
2: everybody in Newberry knew each side of this case there
6: were too many dynamics with the families in town and you know you were either going to be with the Beckhams you were going to be with the the Landers And I mean, it really was split. In the courtroom, one side was the Beckham crowd, and the other side was the Landers crowd.
9: Richard, sometime in May of 1994, did you have occasion to have a conversation with Defendant Beckham?
10: Yes, I did.
9: Do you recall the conversation?
10: Yes, uh, Steve approached me wanting me to uh, do something for him. His uh, exact words were, he
2: he had a package he wanted to get rid of and uh, it'd be worth a lot of money. So Richard Anderson was a bouncer at Smugglers and um, had been working there throughout the time that uh, Stephen Beckham would go to the the strip bar. Richard had many problems, uh, one of which is that he was a drug addict at the time himself.
4: Richard George, he felt pressured by Stephen, who, from what I understand, was all that was charming in the world.
9: When you had the conversation with Defendant Beckham in May of 1994 about getting rid of a package, what was your end of the conversation? What was said and what was done at that time?
10: Well, he uh, came in and, and had asked me about it and I pretty much put him off, told him that I wasn't sure and, and uh, he approached me about it a couple, of, uh, a few times. I asked some people around the club you know, if I could trust him, you know, I mean, just what kind of A person he was i guess as far as any kind of business went and after doing so
4: uh, i finally agreed to help him out he was offering five thousand dollars for a package at first he didn't understand what package was he soon found out he was explaining to
10: me then uh exactly well pretty much what he wanted me to do and why and at this time he also told me that the package was a, a body in a car that he wanted me to get rid of
9: tell the jury what details were explained to you at that point in
10: time well he started telling me i guess his troubles you could say that he was going through a divorce and that that the body that he was going to be bringing me wasn't going to be some guy it was
2: going to be his wife to get somebody to do this type of thing, you're not gonna be able to go and find somebody at church. He told me that he wanted this to look like an accident.
10: And that's why he was, you know, going through all the trouble of me pushing the car over the side of the hill and everything. Oh it's well actually the mountain is pretty steep. And uh, he wanted me to break the neck of the body and bust out the windshield over the driver's over the, the wheel to make it Looked like that's how it happened. And what happened next? As I walked up, uh, I saw Stephen Beckham moving around in the car. As I got closer, I could tell that it was him. He had a pink towel that he was wiping down the dash and and the door area. And uh, he motioned me to the back of the car, the passenger side. Uh, I saw. What well, what, what I know now is uh, his. Well, I saw his wife's body. Uh, she was covered with blood.
1: He said that he was presented with this bloody body, but then he found out that this body wasn't dead. She was still alive.
10: He went through it once again. He said, "Look, just wait till dark. You know, you know, you know what you have to do," and he left. I reached in and to to pull the body over. Um, and, uh, at this time, I, well, it was like she tried, it was like she tried to breathe. And that threw me off. I mean, that just shocked me. I didn't know, you know, I was expecting a body, not somebody who was still partially alive. So he left? Yes. And what did you do? Uh, well, I wanted to go ahead and, uh, I didn't, I don't know, I wasn't thinking about well i was thinking about how i was going to do this you know how i was going to break her neck you know and i took the bolt cutters and i struck her on the side of the neck to the to the front of her throat and moved her over and struck her in the back of the neck all
3: right madam former ladies let me let you take a short break (laughs) (laughs)
4: well you can see a woman being killed in that exact moment in that exact way it was very surreal they didn't want to cause particular overt Emotions, or you know, grief. Although they couldn't stop all of it, they couldn't stop all of it. You had people on both sides all oh, crying, wiping with tissues. People that didn't even know them were crying with tissues in their hand.
6: Did you tell them that you wanted immunity? Yes. Did you ask to see someone at the attorney general's
4: office? Yes.
6: Have you ever worked for the police before? No. Why would you ask to go see the attorney general of South Carolina? How would you know to do that?
10: I was told that he was one of the only people that could uh, (laughs) give you immunity. Richard was very intelligent, but he was very stupid.
3: You know, I guess you can be intelligently stupid, and that's kind of what Richard was. Do you now have the promise of a
6: 20-year life sentence from the state of South Carolina, even though you are the killer?
10: (laughs) My plea agreement reads that I have a 20-year life sentence if I cooperate and testify truthfully and stand up for what I did unlike Mr. Beckham is doing.
2: He was given a plea deal. And that is, he pled to murder, which uh, without pursuing the death penalty, it ended up at the time to be a 20-year sentence. And at the time, we were pursuing the death penalty over what we would believed to be the puppeteer, if you will, Stephen Beckham.
9: And I submit to you, she was murdered because he can't stand not to be in control.
5: Upon hearing the testimony from colorful characters like Richard George Anderson and Slick Rick Mitchell, the jury will have to decide who to believe on one end is the narrative laid out by a couple of dubious witnesses with shady backgrounds. On the other is the pristine reputation of the bishop's son. What hangs in the balance for Stephen Beckham is his freedom, or a potential trip to death row.
6: Juries now said not for the king, not for the government. Juries now sit as a buffer between the state that has awesome power, awesome power, and between the citizens who are accused of crimes.
3: I think it was a very emotional when you had both sets of parents or
2: grandparents to their children. It was palpable how difficult it was to stay in the courtroom with these families with only 10 feet between them in a courtroom, knowing that one side wanted life and the other side wanted death.
7: You're
6: talking you about Richard Anderson. Richard Anderson, I suggest to you, is a vicious, violent person. Richard Anderson does not deserve to have you believe him. Richard Anderson is a con man. Richard Anderson is a manipulator. There's nothing to tie Stephen Beckham to this event. All of the circumstantial evidence in this case points to Stephen's innocence. None of it
9: points to guilt. The evidence in this case dictates your success.
2: Solicitor Jones is a fantastic orator. Uh, He's been a uh, solicitor there for 30 years and uh, he, he is impressive in court.
9: The evidence in this case will not allow you to let him get away with murder.
6: When he would give a closing argument, you just wanted to get out of the courtroom. You felt like, you know, you were just being pounded on.
9: I ask you not to forget about Vicki Lander Beckham. You don't know her, you didn't meet her, But you should not forget about her. And I submit to you that she may have been tardy from time to time, but thanks to defendant Beckham, she was early in departing this life. You ask yourself, why? Why was Vicki Lander Beckham murdered? You ask yourself, why? And I submit to you, the answer is, she was murdered for greed, greed of money, and greed of custody. And I submit to you, she was murdered because he can't stand not to be in control.
2: Now, the the deliberation, as I recall, took about five hours. And uh, that's pretty quick. Uh, in this type of case, which is extremely complicated from an evidentiary standpoint.
4: Well, inside the court, it was tense because you didn't really know if either side had presented an open and shut case.
3: These trials are tough on everybody. Uh, So I warn you, ladies and gentlemen, that if you do not believe that you can control your emotions uh, during the receipt of the verdict, I'd ask you to leave now. If uh, you are in here and there is an outburst, uh, then you will be subject to a contempt citation. And uh, that means jail.
4: The, the room was surrounded by law enforcement because the judge was scared that pandemonium would unleash in his courtroom. I'll uh, bring the jury in, Mr. Bailey. <coughs> All right, Madam Foreman,
3: has the jury reached a unanimous verdict as to each of the three counts in the indictment? We have. Jury. All right. Would you hand it to the bailiff, please, please, ma'am? All right, Madam Clerk, you may publish the in, the indictment and the, and the verdict. Indictment number ninety
9: six
3: GS thirty six seventy nine, the State versus Stephen Andrew Beckham. The verdict of the jury as to count one conspiracy is guilty. Count two
5: kidnapping is guilty. Count
6: three, murder is guilty. We did offer theories as to why Richard Anderson did it. Whether that was convincing or not, uh, obviously it wasn't, uh, because they found him guilty.
2: I think we realized during the death penalty phase how difficult it was going to be to get the death penalty phase when Stephen Beckham's daughter took the stand, because she was very compelling.
6: You remember the day you found out about your mom? You told us so about that the other day? Yes, sir. In that day, I think you described it as
2: the worst day of your life.: We still felt we were doing the right thing, uh, but she made a very and compelling witness asking for uh, her father's life to be spared.
6: Any doubt in the world that father loves you more than anything on this earth? I'm Daddy's little girl.: Is there any doubt in your mind that father loves your brothers?
4: <laughs> he loves us more than anything.
6: How do you feel
4: about him? He's all I got left.
3: We the jury in the above entitled case, having found beyond a reasonable (laughs) doubt the existence of a statutory aggravating circumstance as indicated in Part 1B, unanimously fixed the punishment of the defendant, Stephen A. Beckham, as a imprisonment in the state penitentiary for the balance of his natural life. He relied on his children. He didn't care about his children. Using them like he used them that day when he left with Vicky, knowing what he was going
2: to do. Now in South Carolina, now it's life means life. But at the time, it did not. Stephen Beckham, at the time, he actually gets 30 years. Solicitor Jones felt that it was a measure of justice. Maybe not all the way, but it was a measure of justice.
6: But they were both ideal families. That's what was the big tragedy there. The two probably most significant, ideal, uh, powerful families in town uh, were at each other, and they never really uh, talked again.
4: They wanted to make Vicki sound like she wasn't an angel, and nobody is in situations like this. Nobody's an angel, but there's good, there's better, and then there's sheer evil.
5: After narrowly escaping a death sentence, Steven Beckham is currently serving out his life sentence in the Tiger River Correctional Institution. His projected parole is July 2025. And despite the fact that he cut a plea deal with the prosecution, Richard George Anderson is still behind bars in Kershaw Correctional Institution. His projected parole is February 2024. I'm Tamron Hall. Thanks for watching Someone They Knew.
0: There you have it, another deep dive into a truly fascinating case. If you want to see more episodes of Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall, they're available to stream for free on our website. Just check the show notes for a link. And you can see me every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern on Closing Arguments and on Court TV's all-new original true crime series, Accomplice to Murder, with new episodes premiering every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for downloading.